0: Bracken and Bell together.
1: There's Cooper breaking through. A chance now, this will be the fourth ball for Aberdeen. Cooper puts it in with.
2: Well, suddenly
1: it's become a rout. Of course, when things are going wrong against you, you don't get the breaks of the ball. Cooper in with Stewart
0: and welcome to the latest Here We Go podcast. Uh, We join you pretty much directly on the the whistle after we've gained a a point down Ibrox um, in what was a pretty controversial game. We'll come to that right away. But but firstly, joining me as always, we have podcast regular Richard Hey, How are you doing, Richard? Evening, Martin. Good good to speak to you again, Richard. And we've also brought back um, an old favourite from here, a man who... A man who's regular, he's probably got about four balls. He's been on the podcast so much. We just love having him back so much. And that is uh, the Red Finals' Martin Ingram. How are you doing, Martin?
2: I'm doing, well, I was going to say very well. I was almost very, very well, but, you know. (laughs) We're we're getting there.
0: It's it's a pleasure of you. We're getting there. So, yeah. Uh, So, we were at Ibrox tonight. Finished 2-2. You know, the the cliche I suppose you you, you you would go with is that before the match, we would have taken a point. However, you kind of come out of that really a bit, really deflated, don't we?
1: It is a cliche, obviously, um, but I suppose given the defensive issues we've had, given the form that we still are in the middle of, win over Hibs notwithstanding, if you'd given me the option of taking a point before the game, I would have snatched your hand off. But at 2 nil up, and if you look at the flow of the game... Yeah, they had a lot of possession. Yeah, they had a lot of attempts on goal, but a lot of them from distance and not really troubling Joe Lewis. I'm gutted we didn't win that tonight. And that's before we talk about the circumstances that led up to not just the penalty kick, which was a joke, but the free kick for that first was so, so cheap as well. Yeah, I'm I'm really disappointed. I, I can't fault that many things about our display tonight, though, and I think that's the really encouraging thing. Sure, we could have been a bit better in possession, kept the ball a bit better, particularly in that second half. I didn't think we were quite as effective on the break again as after that first 25-minute spell. And that's partly due to, I think, the home side sharpening up and being a bit more accurate in their passing. We we did really well. We had a lot of joy at oppressing them. Something which has been absent for most of the season It just seemed to have the big occasion and maybe that little bit boost of uh, the win on Saturday night seemed to lift them. Mixed emotions coming out of this evening, absolutely, because at 2-0 up after 20 minutes, you are through the roof. You're absolutely delighted at what's going on. And, you know, I should say, obviously, you talk about we having been at Ibrox. Clearly, we're sitting here recording this. We haven't been at the game tonight because, uh, you know, it's been a long time since I've given that show or any of my money for the way you get treated down there. So, so Ibrox is not a venue that uh, I tend to bother going to these days. But um, I can assure you, when that uh, second goal went in, uh, I'm sure the away end was the only place any Aberdeen fan would have wanted to be at that point.
0: Yeah, Martin. I mean, we, Martin, we take the lead. You know, after you know, eight minutes. And then, uh, no, as Richard says, no. after 60 minutes, we find ourselves 2-0 up. What what I talk about that first goal, because Richard mentions the press there. And the goal comes from, no. You know, they tried to play it from the back, good pressing from Hedges. And then it's uh, really a good ball from Dean Campbell, gets Hedges back on the ball and it's a good finish by Ramirez. Um, this is something that, you know, we've seen us try and kind of fits and starts and it's not really worked. I, I suppose against teams that are, you want to say the better footballing teams in the league, when you, when you try that press. Um, if you get it right, um, it can, it, as it did tonight, it can pay dividends.
2: It it can pay dividends, and it did pay dividends there. It's such an impressive goal because it shows you how when when you go with a a high press, and you know it's very easy to say you know just press teams high up in the park, but it needs to be with a purpose, and it needs to be coordinated and. You know that's as good of a team goal in relation to what the players do off the ball as what they end up doing on it going going right back to where you have uh koror golson looking to get an outlet ball from, so he's basically you know on his six yard box what he's obviously wanting to do is he, he can't he can't play it across because uh ramirez is covering the gap with the center half he can't play it out right where he probably wants to go to to james duvernier because that that outlet pass has been cut off by Johnny Hayes and you've got Dean Campbell in the background, ready to press forward on him as well, so he kind of almost half-blindly just plays it forward to Lundstrom, John Lundstrom because he really has nowhere else to go, but um, again, you know, Ryan Hedges has done a great job, he's he's, he's effectively pressing him, and he's right up on him before he even gets to the ball, we managed to win possession Johnny Hayes puts it out to Dean Campbell he produces a a really good through ball in to get to hedges again i actually thought you might have just weighted it a little bit too heavily but ryan to his credit manages to stretch a left peg out cut it across and then ramirez is exactly where where you want him to be six yards out with an open goal and uh and, and does the business so it, it shows you that you know when you're trying to do anything like that you know high pressing coordinated uh, attacking it does take time to get to the stage where you're doing that effectively and correctly and everybody knows their role but you can quite easily say oh well it's just you know the, the, the two of their defenders just made huge mistakes and we've capitalized on it but none of that happens without four of our players pressing high up in the pitch and doing it in a in a coordinated and 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 thought out way so credit to all the players for that but you know credit to Glass and the management team as well, because that doesn't happen without a, a coordinated plan and and a lot of practice to make it work.
1: That's very true, Martin, but it's, I, th- I find it very interesting that obviously this is the, the second game in a row in which we've gone with a slightly different system. Three at the back, you saw wing backs instead of full backs. So the way in which this press operates will be different to how it's been meant to operate for most of the season with the back four. Now, I find anything that it can be picked up and it can operate so effectively after a couple of games when, on the other hand, the press, when we were playing with a four, was one of the things that wasn't working. One of a number of things, granted. Now, of course, tonight is a little bit different. It was against a team who were going to try and play it from the back, who were going to give us space if we were able to beat their initial press. So it's a different sort of way in which we had to play the game. We've really struggled against teams who really shut us down and shut down the space that we try and operate on in as an attacking unit and won't necessarily be so focused on playing the ball from the back. So it's almost as if Glass has this system, this high-pressing system, set up for a league in which I'm not convinced it's going to be massively effective against a lot of the sides in this league. But certainly tonight it was effective. And you mentioned Dean Campbell. And Dean's going to get a lot of credit for the through ball, and it's a it's a nice through ball, but what I really liked was his initial positioning and the fact that he was there and able to influence when we won the ball back for so often last season. When we spoke about the three at the back and how that was operating, we focused on the wing backs and the fact that they were operating too far back when we had the ball and when we won the ball to really properly influence the game. So it was great to see Campbell in that instance be up the park, be ready to make a difference and contribute to that goal. Really good work.
2: I was just happy he was on the park in the first place because as you two gentlemen both know, it obviously uh, ensured that the streak
1: continues. Yeah, for anybody that doesn't follow us on social media, there's um, there is a long running uh, streak which um, has been going since 1949, um, which you know the club made use of in their football strategy document because I think it shows that uh, we do have a commitment to to playing our own players here, and it's that every Aberdeen team a competitive match has had uh, what you could loosely term an academy or youth team graduate in it since 1949, so 72 years now. Um, And Really, with the way that the injuries have panned out this season with Considine and uh, recently Ramsey and Mackenzie picking up knocks, it looked like it would Probably be going tonight And these runs They're always going to end And it would have been Slightly freakish circumstances But Campbell came in And I thought he did just He did really well um, And what, the other times We've seen him at Left back Left wing back This season He's also done pretty well And we did speak And speculate As to whether It would be a position For him Especially given the competition In the centre of the park While with Jack McKenzie Out for a few games This is an opportunity For him to, to State that claim there uh, given the success with the three, and we'll talk a bit more about that um, later on when we come back to look at the Hibs game, I, I suspect it will be wing-back as opposed to full-back, uh, but yeah, uh, obviously I was I was quite happy pre-game before uh, to see Dean Campbell in, but I was much happier to see him make a really effective contribution to that goal.
0: And then, and then we find ourselves 2-0 up after 16 minutes. Um, the captain... We, I have been very critical of James Tavernier on this podcast because I think he's absolutely hopeless at defending. Um, and again, he was proved to be absolutely hopeless at defending. Scott Brown just finds himself get finds himself in, in a little bit of space, gets away from him. I didn't think it was a particularly great ball in the box, Richard. You know, he does you know, what an experienced footballer does. He sees the space. He sees where the ball's going, and you have to you know as much as we've and as much as you know, we've been annoyed by him in the past. He puts it in and you've got to love that celebration, don't you?
1: Um, you know, um, I'm, I'm sure people will be saying that, oh, it's typical that Scott... It definitely wasn't typical. I didn't expect Scott Brown to be scoring tonight. I thought Scott Brown's <laughs> contribution, his main contribution, might be trying to stem the flow. Um, really from his position that is one of the three centre-halves, so I thought he did okay. Uh, but it's it's just a clever goal. He just, um, just is able to work that space. And we've seen him work that space on corner kicks for other people so far this season. But he takes advantage of some hesitancy in their back line and just connects really, really well with it. Someone in the comments tonight referenced Billy Stark in the cup final in 1986 and it has has quite a lot of that energy about it. Of course, when he scores, he's going to absolutely revel in it, which he did. I I thought his bigger contribution at the centre half was on Saturday. I thought he played really, really well on Saturday, just guiding the other two through the game. And you know, Bates and McCrory are not youngsters. They're 23, 22, 23, 24, whatever they are. They shouldn't necessarily need a 38-year-old talking them through the games, but if that's going to get a better level of performance out of both of them, then it's maybe a little happy accident that Scott Brown's being asked to sit a little bit deeper. It also slightly solves that problem with the fact that Brown and Ferguson in midfield were quite frequently overlapping and doing the same sort of job in the four that we were playing, and it means that Brown clearly will be able to take the ball out of defence And hopefully it improves our distribution from the back as well So there are definite positives to Scott Brown being part of that back three But the goal tonight, oh, he would have loved it Every single person in the away end would have loved it And every single person of our Red Persuasion watching at home absolutely loved it I've got to say, because we're obviously um, not at the game we have a, a mixture of legal and illegal methods to keep up with the game First goal that we scored tonight, you know that like they have the open all mics and sports sound. It was unreal. You have Richard Foster watching our game, and we've scored. But he takes forty seconds to actually convey that basic piece of information of the fact that we've actually scored. He talks us right to the move, right to how that um, you know they've taken the goal kick and they've played the goal kick backwards before finally deigning to tell us that we've scored about 40 seconds after it happened it was you think we're bad at broadcasting Christ almighty we've got nothing on Ricky Foster
0: Uh, yeah you didn't expect a Ricky
1: Foster rant did you
0: I really I really didn't you've (laughs) totally you've totally taken me by surprise there you've thrown me off totally thrown me off my rhythm Uh, (laughs) <laughs> uh, right, Martin, okay, uh, so it was 2-0, um, and not for the not for the first time this evening, um, it became the John Beaton Show, um, with a pathetic door warden for a free kick to them, um, which they take advantage of, um, so poor defending by, I think it was Bates and Morelos, Morelos gets one back for them.
2: R- Richard was touching upon the, the, the various means by which we were... Uh, following the game tonight um, I, I don't want to necessarily incriminate myself on a podcast which is going to be published later on tonight or tomorrow but um, uh, I may I, I, I was watching the coverage I had I, I submitted myself to coverage on Rangers TV uh, which uh, was through a, a live stream which I may or may not have paid for um, and it was interesting that if you talk about you know the John Beaton show when you're dealing with a free kick, where at halftime they had Craig Moore and Neil McCann as the halftime pundits, and both of them said it shouldn't have been a free kick. So that's that's what we're dealing with. So, but he awarded what it was, I think it was a foul by Ferguson on, on Lewis Arebo, um set piece about 30, 35 yards out, uh, fairly square. And again, it's a a good ball in the box by Diverni again, as, as as Richard alluded to before, you know he's not in the team because of his defensive abilities because he's got very little to offer on that front. But what he what he does have is obviously a tremendous delivery from set pieces. Gets the ball into the pretty pretty much into six yard box. And while they have the cliches that there wasn't you know there wasn't a failure amongst the 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 players that wore the the red shirt today. If there was any one player that was less successful than all the other players, it would have been David Bates and. Um, you know, for me, he's culpable for that goal. M- M- Morellas is his man. He's allowed him to get a run on the inside of goal of him. And basically, by the time it gets to him, he's just nodding the ball home from six six yards out. So pre- preventable. But, you know, as as you said, Martin, from the outset, it shouldn't have been a free kick in the first place. But, you know, kill sprees. I
1: think the real frustration for me is... Um that we just couldn't hold out at 2-0 for much longer, because you know how the atmosphere would have changed then, if we'd kept it at 2-0 for like another 10 minutes or whatever a lot of people talk about the sixteen seventeen Scottish Cup final, and they look back and they think, oh, if only that Kenny McLean Johnny Hayes pass had been right I think if only we'd actually held on at 1-0 for a little bit longer if only we'd got the confidence and got that platform in the game, because we were usually very good front runners, and it's kind of the same tonight, if we had just kept it at 2 0. You would have the noise and the the abuse of their own side would have started ratcheting up from the, the hordes at Ibrox and it just would have been a completely different game. And we'd be been able to settle in and I think we would have you know, we were we got such a boost after opening the scoring. We the first five, ten minutes we were a little bit all over the shop. But then as soon as we scored we started passing the ball really crisply and really nicely, and being able to break the press really well, and enjoying the space that we were being allowed after we broke that initial press, and just letting them back in at that point. It was a, it was just a bit amateur. I, of course, we're going to point at Beaten because those are two soft as shit decisions, sort of decisions that quite simply would never have been be given the other way at Ibrox, never. However, we can, as Martin says, we can do better defending that. And it's just that inability to just sit in that 2-0 for an extra few minutes, an extra five, ten minutes, let the panic set in. Because really, for a lot of the game, through open play, they didn't create that much against us. And again, that's another level of frustration is the fact that, you know, the fact that we've let that 2-0 lead slip tonight is that it's not as if they were really bombarding and peppering our goal all throughout the game. A lot of the ball, a lot of territory, a lot of corners, but really in terms of direct efforts that troubled Joe Lewis, not that many. So as I say, just another level of frustration about this evening and about a game which uh, I don't think any of us expected much, but could have been so, so, so much more.
2: We am talking about if we could have just held on for 2-0. There was actually a good chance just about a minute before we, we, we lost the goal that... Uh, Lewis Ferguson had a chance uh, D- Dean Campbell kind of teed him up on the edge in the box and well, it, it certainly wasn't a gimme um, he just, he got it on target but he just never connected with it properly now if he's, if he managed to get the laces through it, I mean, imagine if we'd been 3-0 up at Ibrax after 20 minutes, I mean, you know, I think it wouldn't have just been disgruntlement in the home support I think he might have been into full, full meltdown at that stage but again wasn't to be
0: Richard, you mentioned Joe Lewis there as well, and I think you know he didn't have a lot to do tonight. Uh, but what he did when he when he was called upon, I thought he did really well. Particularly though, the, the big save in the first half he had. Obviously, we'll, we'll obviously come back to the Hibbs game as well um, um, later on. I think it's 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 shite for him really that he's he's coming out of this game having conceded two goals.
1: Yeah, from the goals header, it's it's a really good stop. Um, I don't think he's he's quite as confident aerially yet. Quite as good at uh, quite got back to the. Um, Got back to how confident he used to be around the box and claiming the balls in the box. And I wonder maybe if part of that is because obviously we we have lost a guy like Ash Taylor, who used to be fairly commanding and used to you know help us defend those type of balls. McCrory and Bates aren't, don't appear to be those kind of defenders. So I think just generally the defence is lacking that bit of... Uh, Aggression uh, and ability to go and really attack the ball in the box. So I think that's still to get back up to a level. But I was I was impressed by the save from Goldson. I think he he did well on on Saturday, and I think it, it was it's tricky for him because you know you drop a keeper after he made errors, which you know justified him being dropped. There are two ways you can react to that, and it seems that. Joe has just doubled down his effort in training Stepped up his game in training And has come back into a team And has looked a lot more secure than he has for a lot of this season But as I say, I think maybe he's got to Slightly adapt to the fact that we don't have quite a dominant header of the ball In our back four anymore And maybe come and be a bit more decisive about those crossballs A bit more decisive at clearing people out of the way and, And taking command of his area
0: I'll be honest with you, Richard, I'm looking forward to the feedback on this episode when people accuse you of being misty eyed for Ash Taylor. <laughs> <laughs>
1: because
0: because that will come, we will we'll have responses saying, fuck me, Richard was was getting all misty eyed about Ash Taylor. What's going on here?
1: No, I just, again, you've got to understand the league in which we're playing. Yeah. I, I yeah. kind of alluded to earlier on about the way in which glasses may be set up aside, which won't actually be that effective against a lot of the teams in this league. Ash Taylor was pretty effective against most of the teams in this league, and that's what we always said about him. Yeah. That, you know, he would absolutely have a massive nuclear level mistake in him once every couple of games, but. In terms of the way in which a lot of the teams in this league play football, he was actually quite an effective weapon. Or maybe he was just a weapon. It's up to you to decide.
0: <laughs> ah, see, you set up an easy tap in and then you took it yourself. That's, that's a poor show from you. Poaching. <laughs> as, as we will discuss later as well, we've got a bit of an injury crisis at the moment. Ramirez went off in the second half, clutching his groin, Martin. You no, know, but it never rains, but it pours really when this sort of stuff's happening to you, does it? I mean, we've got, we're the, kind of the walking wounded at the moment. You know, it's kind of a bit of a patchwork kind of squad tonight for not formation maybe, but you no, know, some square pegs and round holes. Um, and the last thing we need is our dare I say goal machine being missing for a few games. So hopefully, hopefully that's not something too serious.
2: Yeah, hopefully not. Again, I was I was actually really impressed with Ramirez's contribution today. I mean, obviously that's it's easy to say, you know. When somebody scores one of the goals, it gets you a result. But for a player that, um, you know, it was really disappointing when I saw, you know, there was obviously a bit of coverage um, a few days ago that um, he revealed he'd been receiving some internet abuse, which for me seems incredible because of of, 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 for for all of the poor performances that we've had to suffer from the start of the season, One one of the few players that I wouldn't have attributed a great deal of uh, blame too would have been Ramirez. Um, he's, you know, done what's been expected of him, and that you know, I, th- I think nobody was pretending he was going to be the kind of player that was going to be, you know, charging around the pitch and putting a lot of effort in. He was there to be in the right places and score goals, and um, and and he's been doing that. I mean, I mean, if not, you know. If not to the level of the kind of claims, you know, the, the jet claims of twenty a season, but I mean, he he may he may well get there by the end of the season. He's certainly on, on a good pace. But I would say he's he's as good uh, a striker in, as, as anyone else in in our league at the moment. I think I think that's a, a safe statement. But, um, you know, in for 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 the performance today, though, again, with us playing, we played a a very high pressing game, and it was quite often when we were out of possession, we were playing with, you know, a full front three pressing up on 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 their defence and central midfielders and uh Ramirez was a part of that. I mean it was very much the kind of role that um uh McInnes would have asked Adam Rooney to 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 do on on occasions where you know sometimes he was playing up you know directly up front sometimes he was drifting across left to allow hedges to come into the middle and um you know for for a player where a lot of the complaint seems to be oh well you know he you know he, he might score a few goals in the box but he's not putting the work rate in um he certainly couldn't have accused him of that today and and, and sadly that might have been a part part of how he finds himself in a situation where he's potentially it looked by you know from 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 his reaction afterwards it did look like he was kind of you know, some kind of a groin injury or something because that certainly seems to be where he was holding it. it it didn't it didn't hurt us too much tonight because if anything it was probably a good you know it was on the hour mark wasn't it so it was, a, it was a good time to bring marley watkins in you know at the time when we were defending a lead and you know we probably needed the legs more than the finishing power up front but but yeah what, a, what what a run of injuries i mean if you could think of for for me, probably the best two to three players in the team so far this season have been Ramirez, Calvin Ramsey, and and then possibly just after that, just because of his age and stage, Jack McKenzie, and that's all three of them potentially unavailable for us at the weekend.
1: Yeah, I don't know if the criticism of Ramirez has necessarily been about his work rate, but certainly there's not been a great deal of evidence of um, his effectiveness out with the penalty box. So, um, we've praised him already this season on here for what he can do in the penalty box, and it's great to see him really stepped it up in the last couple of games, three successive games he's now scored in. Um, and there were better signs tonight of being able to link up with Hayes and Hedges out with the box tonight. but. People will say, oh, you know, you have a striker to score goals. That's absolutely right. However, if you have been playing a system with one up top, which we have this season, you do need your striker to bring a bit more of everything else to the table. Uh, I think it was noticeable on Saturday having, having Watkins up alongside him in a two, in a three-five-two. He just looked a little bit busier, looked a little bit more settled, with somebody alongside him. But I thought, again, tonight, on the positive side, he was linking a little bit better with Hayes and Hedges Balls weren't necessarily being fired into him like At head height either When they got up to him uh, Again, that's probably because The fact that we just got a bit more space to play With the ball once we got past the initial press So again, the quality of the opponent Probably works in his favour there a little bit too So I'd be surprised to hear If there was criticisms about his work rate um, But goal scorer. Yes, great. Great start to life here. You've got to say, completely different environment, uh, completely different way of playing, no doubt. And uh, nine goals all from open play, you've got to say as well. Adam Rooney got nine goals in his uh, first half season at Aberdeen, but that included one penalty. And obviously, laterally, it included lots of penalty kicks to make up his tally. Adam Rooney was a great goal scorer, don't get me wrong, but I'm, I'm liking what I could see from Ramirez in and around the box, particularly from a team that has not been trading that much as our, and a lot of people will hate, the even use of this, but as our XG will, uh, will indicate.
2: I, I certainly would also hope that uh, this particular podcast wouldn't have any criticism of a striker for what he brings outside the box when they declared Harold Stavrum to their team of the century not months ago. <laughs> Absolutely not, no, not at all.
1: Part well, of the option was him or Rooney. So again, you, you know, we have. We, it's very, very difficult to get a complete centre forward at Aberdeen is. I suppose the bottom line, um, you're always going to have somebody who is uh, going to have strengths in one particular area and maybe weaknesses in other areas. So you can only, to use that podcast favourite phrase, pitch with the cock you've got. And Ramirez has been a pretty effective cock thus far this season. And and, there's a uh, line you wouldn't get on sports sound <laughs> really
0: well, uh, no. First, if, if we could somehow no, Richard I know obviously we've had Richard Gordon i here before if you can get in touch with Richard Gordon and see if you can get Willie Miller to squeeze that in on Saturday if you could squeeze that line in on Saturday I tell you that would be, um, be unbelievable um, yeah obviously that's a no, I think that Ramirez Richard is probably well on his way to the 20 goals that Jet promised us um, this season I don't think we're going to see 20 from him but um, we're definitely gonna. I think we're definitely gonna. If you can stay fit, definitely gonna get twenty out of Ramirez anyway.
1: What was your guarantee? Because it was a guarantee.
0: But um, no, Now let's let's just watch this now. It was Jets' <laughs> guarantee, <laughs> But you were happy to endorse. I was happy to endorse it because I got carried away with the you know the early season hysteria when we're beating um, the teams in the early early European rounds, and I'm and I I'm happy to admit that you know I got got a little bit carried away and. No, no. Jet promised he would score twenty goals this season. That no, that's a fact. It was in print. Um, I think he might have told us a little bit of a white lie there, but that's okay. Uh, Ramirez is going to pick up the slack. It will be okay.
1: Contractually, what recourse do we have against Christian Ramirez? I mean, we often have lawyers on this show. Should I get in touch with them? Not Ramirez against Emmanuel Thomas. Should I get in touch with them to find out, you know, what recourse we we can get from Emmanuel <laughs> Thomas if he doesn't hit that twenty goals? You know, we have been promised something, he's not delivering it.
0: We'll get we'll get Simon Cattle back on in a few episodes, um, and we'll, we'll we'll just throw them that hot potato straight away, and um, see what he can work out for us. <laughs> anyway, uh, right, so. Martin. There was a penalty awarded in this game. Um obviously it was awarded to them. Um well, let, I'll tell you what, I'm sending me asking you a question. Just talk us through it and try to explain to us what's going on.
2: I'm not entirely sure I can tell you what was going on with that. But um but it came it was not long after, so it's the guy Fashion Junior on the back of his shirt, was it Sakala as the the guy? So he just he just nearly came on with I think it was Scott Wright as well. Scott Wright, whose only contribution was uh, hacking Dean Campbell off the ball and moaning about it. But um, sorry, that's getting off topic. So um, again, it, it was in many ways similar to the first goal in that, although it, it wasn't, it wasn't from a set piece, but uh, you know, Dave, David Bates is culpable again here. He's let he's he's let his player this time get a run on the back of him when 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 the ball comes into the box i actually my first instinct was that it might have been offside but it's impossible to tell from the angle that the angles that he got in the coverage but in any anyway, event, he's just he's, he's just he's just come around the back of david bates and i assume that what's happened is he's you know maybe used his arm or took a grab of him as he as he goes through and obviously you know as any striker does that these days he he drops like a sack of tatties and uh and John Beaton awards a penalty. Again, as an insight to anybody that missed the stellar coverage of uh, Rangers TV, and admittedly this came afterwards, but it was um uh, it was a spell of consecutive corners, and uh, Clive Tildesley without a hint of irony states, you know there's a penalty here for Rangers if the referee's willing to give it. Um, and it's exactly one of those. There was a penalty there if the referee was willing to give it. He was more than willing to give it, but... Um, what was what was most unusual because i thought it was again i thought it was another soft decision but um what was most concerning is that for uh, bates himself he, he he really didn't seem to you know make any issue of it he just kind of trudged away kind of you know with a, with a hangdog expression and again sometimes expressions of the players gives away more than than anything else but he does he does just look like a kind of a a a, a bit of a lost soul within the team at the moment he's clearly must be i to give him the benefit of the doubt i think there's no doubt he, you know the experience that he had in hamburg and obviously you guys covered that in uh in, in a previous uh podcast with uh, a journalist in germany about that but it, you know it seems to have completely knocked his confidence but at the moment i mean just on, on the evidence of the games i've seen so far he just seems like an accident waiting to, to happen and you think uh, a lot was made in the fact, that, you know, the first eye-opening fact was bringing a player in where the, the main issue seemed to be his, in you know, that he didn't seem to be suited to as a, a player in possession of the ball and with his distribution, which was exactly the kind of uh, defender we were apparently looking for to play in this style of, of, of football that Glass was looking to do. But as we are saying beforehand, he doesn't seem to be particularly effective in, in, in aerial challenges, so the kind of the... Uh, as Richard alluded to, the, the Ash Taylor-esque kind of work, just getting headers or making tackles, and again, he seems to really struggle with um, um, dy- dynamic runs behind or across the box. So you start kind of wondering, well, what you know, what do you do? But again, that might be that might be overly critical because he he has only been in the door for about half a dozen games, and um, but you just wonder how long do you keep. I mean, we may have to keep persevering with that as too though, because we have nobody else to play in central defence right now. But um, I think he just looks like somebody who could really do with some kind of boosting confidence. And unfortunately, if these these issues keep happening, it's going to be hard to come by.
1: It is a difficult one because he is just a few games in, and yeah, he did play a fair bit of football last season in Belgium and the thing obviously because of what we'd find out we were concerned that hey, his distribution might be a bit off in fact that's been the one part of the game that's actually been okay um Defend, just basic defending has been a bit difficult for him. And just that lack of reaction at the penalty kick was a bit strange. I, I put it down to the fact that, you know, he played at Ibrox for long enough, he knows exactly what sort of decisions get given against visiting sides there. You do fear with him, though, that um, he's on a kind of, he could well be on a Greg Wilde esque career. Trajectory. There's just a willingness in this country, uh, and it extends beyond the media. I think to, to managers as well to to give undue prominence to players who have come through the youth ranks. And I know David Bates actually started at overs but give undue prominence and undue credit to players that have come through um, the youth ranks at Ibrox and at Parkhead. Um, you know whether or not they deserve it. Obviously, there's plenty of time for him to. To start putting in performances At Aberdeen, I sincerely hope hope That he does that, because certainly that um, At that age A guy already with some international Experience, with experience of playing overseas He should be an asset But right now, I'm not Seeing it from him, but again, maybe The circumstances with Scott Brown slotting into a back three Alongside him might be the making of him We'll just have to, have to wait and see, and I think Martin's right, I think for the foreseeable because obviously we haven't heard about Declan Gallagher's injury, but, you know, it's a hamstring injury, and and, um, I think you can expect six weeks, probably at a minimum, then he's going to get a run of games. He's going to be in the team, and it's going to be, I would imagine, that we'll be sticking with a back three for a little while yet. I just want to go back um, on, you know, on the events of tonight. I just want to tell you what our manager has been quoted as saying. We've been undone by a free kick that doesn't look like a free kick, and a penalty that doesn't look like a penalty. I, I think that's as, uh, as fair and as honest an assessment as, as you could give. It doesn't need to be embellished, anything beyond that. We don't need to be accusing the referee of anything more. It's just decisions that don't stand up to any scrutiny. And it happens time and time and time again at these venues.
0: Yeah, you're, you're right there. I mean, I, I, I suppose you know, in the in the heat of the moment, um, it would be very easy just to kind of come out and, you know, like you say, start ranting about cheating and all this kind of stuff and just get themselves into trouble. And, you know, we've been critical of the of the management team for getting themselves into trouble with um, bookings and being sent to the stand this season um,
1: already. So well, uh, here's a question, Martin, for you. I mean, if, on the last pod, you claimed that the manager was out of his depth, which, you know, was something which I felt was a bit over the top then. But you're entitled to your opinion, so I let it go. Stand that?
0: We'll talk about Hibs in a moment, but um, I think he's obviously played two of the, uh, on paper, better teams in the league. Um, I think they're a different prospect to the teams that we've, some of the teams we've played um, and lost to. When you come up against these teams, where you have to play slightly differently, perhaps be a little bit more on the, uh, what, uh, I don't want to say back foot Tactically, he's probably he's able to to, to implement a plan because he's done that. He did that on Saturday against Hibs. He's done that tonight. Um, I do I do think that. You know, there's there's weaknesses in his coaching, which we've which we've seen obviously because we've been you no know, we've been losing losing games like the, particularly the Dundee game I thought was really really poor, but yeah you're absolutely right to call me out for say that he's out of his depth. I but no, perhaps I was a little bit no went a little bit overboard because I was upset at some of the results, uh, but I definitely think that you know t- the, these two results it's four points it's four very good points, um, it doesn't absolve everything. I mean. We still have to, you no, know, we still have to be behind him we still stuff to support the manager. I still think that, you know, this is a very hard run of games we've got, um, and he's came through, two of them, um, with, you know, pretty pretty well, pretty strongly, um, but you know, there is still a lot of football to be played.
1: I think there's a really interesting piece in the Guardian today by Jonathan uh, Lou on, and it's uh, ostensibly on David Moyes, but more generally, it's on. The environment in which a lot of football managers operate these days, and there's a line in there that essentially every single one of them is half a dozen games from being a hero or an idiot, which is absolutely right. And, you know, we can turn on a sixpence. If we get the win again to back up, what's been an encouraging week, if we can beat the diet version on Saturday, then obviously everyone's going to be back on the Stephen Glass train. Probably not everybody, but most of us are going to be back on that Stephen Glass train just with a little bit of a renewed vigour and renewed hope that we can actually have a successful season But yeah I just thought A little bit knee jerk last week And you know let's leave that to the other podcast to be knee jerk Martin
0: Hey look Richard that's why you have me here I'm here for the duh duh <laughs> Knee jerk over emotional Reactionary stuff
1: You're here to appeal to the guys who think Liam Gallagher is quite a good solo artist That's why you're here <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, you're you know, you're in for this. we'll have you for the stats and all the, you know, the, the, the clever analysis and the XG, and I'm here for the duh, duh, kind of, yeah, man kick ball good goal kind of stuff. So we're going to just go look back on um, the previous week as well, um, just to, before we wrap up the show. Um, now, uh, Martin, we had a really handily, um, the squad and the manager got a nice little pre-match pep talk when the chairman went on Radio Scotland um, a week past Monday. In among the in among what was some pretty crazed ranting, what what did you make of it?
2: Well, on the subject of knee jerk emotional reactions, we, we, we've now had the opportunity of a of a of a week to kind of mull on the the after effects of that, and I think it's it's safe to say that we're in a very different place now that with with a, with the, we now know we got that victory over Hibs and 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 the point today, albeit it could have been more. But um, at, at the time you know it's the the club and the manager were under fire and um, i know there's a, a, a there is a, a good proportion of the support that that is what they want to get from their chairman they want they want them to be available in the public space you know engaging with the media and you know showing some emotion i don't think there's any question that dave cormack is a person who loves the dons who wants to he wants to be the, the the person that brings Aberdeen back in the big time and, and and winning silverware and doing it in with an attacking style of football. And um, I think for a lot of guys, when you hear him going on the radio speaking emotionally about the club, um, you know, effectively, you know, <laughs> sticking it to Kenny McIntyre, which uh, I think a lot of us can empathise with. All 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 he probably needed to do was. You know, end that interview by saying "fuck Rangers," do a mic drop, and then leave the phone call. But um, for I think for a lot of other fans, though, I think the, the 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 trouble with that is he is he is the chairman of Aberdeen. He holds a what should be a very professional and responsible role at the club. And I think at the time, I think what a lot of people saw was you know somebody who's maybe well, I say has been you know lacking in media savvy there where if you're going to go on speak on you know the scottish foo- football show when on what was clearly aberdeen club in crisis week you're going to expect some pointed jabs from journalists and and not 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 unreasonably sometimes as well um and i think sometimes while it's good to see somebody so much emotion and you know showing their love for the club the problem is if it comes across like you're out of control or ranting then you almost then start generating your own um banter media as a consequence so obviously that's then the stories which are running the next day they're going to be covering that on the view from the terrace you know so you know and and it's you know a lot of it's good fun but i think sometimes um there's an aspect where you know your first thought might be yeah get on the show and you know back my manager and show the fans i mean business but sometimes you, you maybe just need to add a bit of countenance to, to that more broadly though he made, he made he made a lot of fair points i mean you know looking at that from a week backwards you know you could probably argue he was quite right with a lot of that you know stephen glasses only needed a an additional couple of games and you know all of a sudden you know, I know we're going to cover a Saturday game as well, but suddenly we, we've we now got a couple of good results of the back. And now Hibs are a team that have now gone four consecutive defeats. They will now be the end of this week's or next week's club in crisis. And so the merry, merry-go-round goes on.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was never going to come on the radio and do anything other than back Stephen Glass. And th- that was always going to be the way of it because... You know, frankly, nine league games this season was always too early to be making any kind of radical changes, however much some of the louder voices might have wished for it. It was always going to be the case. I think the issue I had was that he, and it's probably inevitable because as we said, I think, on our last podcast, Martin, it's it's an appointment so intrinsically tied in with the chairman that it's almost impossible not for him to take some of this criticism of the manager, of the team, of the appointment personally. Because he has staked a lot personally on it, and he did feel it did feel as if he was reacting to personal attacks there. And to be perfectly honest, there wasn't any need for it because as much as Kenny McIntyre is a bit of a dick, there is he was entirely polite and pleasant that evening. There wasn't really any of the of the occasional, you know, low blows that you might get if, from him sometimes. But Cormac was obviously intent on rebutting what he clearly felt was a bit of a personal attack. And fair enough, I suppose it's his club. He is the chairman. He owns, uh, unlike Stuart Milne, he he owns, I I believe, a majority of the shareholding now. So it is absolutely his club to do with as he sees fit. And um, if he wants to appoint Stephen Glass as a manager, then that's absolutely fine. And I think the... I don't know. Again, a lot of the criticism that was coming out about Glass and about the appointment was that, oh, he's appointed his mate. I never thought it was the issue that he'd appointed a friend. I just think he's so, so enthralled to the way that Atlanta do their business. He's so enthralled to what he's seen there and what he's seen obviously work from what was essentially a standing position, a standing start when Atlanta entered the MLS to, to be champions on their first... Um, in their first season And more than that I think Get the crowds that they can get there So I think he, he, he loves The way in which that club has been set up And has obviously replicated that at Aberdeen in, uh, in terms of the structure uh, That's a good thing Regardless of what happens under Stephen Glass That is a, that is a good thing uh, Because it is a, a modern football thing It takes us in line with most other clubs Whether it be clubs our size Clubs bigger or even clubs smaller than us so That is a good thing question is whether we have the right people in those positions and that will, I suppose, come out in the wash. But yeah, it, it's a man who is completely enthralled with the way in which Atlanta uh, do their football operations, which, if you were to analyse Atlanta's performance over the last few seasons, might not seem the brilliant tactical decision that it uh, he thinks it is.
0: You think it's Richard. On the, on the face of it, was it just really as simple as Cormac who, you know, we know likes to be you know, likes to be a public face, you know, and he's had criticism for maybe liking it, liking social media, liking the YouTube stuff a bit too much, you know, getting his face out there. Was this just simply him coming out and just taking trying to take a bit of the flack, the bit of the flack away from Stephen Glass and you know, just try to distract it, like distract it from the, the players and the manager, and um, just letting them get on with things and just people can concentrate on Dave Rant in a way. Is it just as simple as that?
1: Did it though? Did it actually take the heat away? I think it maybe just intensified thing for least a day or two longer than it might have.
0: I think it put the heat on him a little bit more because the headlines the next day was all, you know, Cormac rants, all this kind of stuff. Um, and I don't think the next couple of days there was there was there wasn't very much, really, about the about the well, Dun, the Dundee game, for example, was forgotten about really.
1: Maybe in terms of the outside noise, but and I think you referred to that during the interview that you know it was people from the outside. It wasn't, Dave. There were a lot of people from inside uh, the tent who were quite upset as well with the way things had been going and with some justification. You know, I've been 10 games without a win in a league in which, you know, you told us great things were going to come. It was a League Cup loss to Ross County at the first time of asking. It was, going back to the end of last season, a pathetic and meek capitulation to Dundee United in the Scottish Cup, which given the form we were in, we probably never had a chance anyway, but the way that competition then opened out you know, it could make every Aberdeen fan sick to the pits of their stomach the way in which we surrendered that afternoon, so there was a lot of outside noise, of course there was it always is, as you say, we were the Crisis Club that week, tonight as we look at things it's probably Hibs, that's the way things go, but I can assure you there was a lot of noise and a lot of anger from Aberdeen fans as well, and did it need to be addressed? I'm not entirely convinced it did. Just the week before, he he tweeted, copying Rob Wicks and copying one of the other directors, saying that he didn't want anything taken out of context. He's saying that on Twitter, where he can actually sit and compose and think about what he's about to tweet, whereas the next week, after one more game, he's going on a Radio Scotland media uh, Radio Scotland interview in which... I don't think he said anything completely outrageous, but there was always the possibility that he could have said something a little bit offhand, which would then have been taken out of context. It's just the way in which the approach and it just spun on the back of one defeat, on the back of a little bit of intensified pressure, and it, I'm not sure it bodes that well for a steady hand on the tiller, as a as supporters, or at least as a as a podcast, I suppose. I think our first thought is to be not suspicious exactly, but certainly hold the chairman, the directors to account for what they are doing. And you know, you shouldn't give anybody in that position a free pass, no matter how much you you might like their approach, might like their character. Um, Let's just say that sitting here right now, with the way things have gone since he took over in 2019, was it? It's not been, you know, you can't give him an unequivocal pass for anything other than the fact that obviously he has invested a lot of money into this football club.
0: You mentioned Hibs there, so uh, we'll move, We'll just we'll quickly look over um, that the game from last Saturday. Um, as you, as um, Richard says, Martin, um, Hibs, no, the new crisis club. Richard quite rightly did as usual last week, last time we recorded, and said, lads, it's Hibs, uh, and lo and behold, that proves to be true.
2: Yeah, whenever we need. To get a result, Hibs are always there to do us a favour. I think the only surprise come the end of the 90 minutes was that the winning goal wasn't scored by Gary mckay Stephen, um, I'll 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 be honest, and I've I've declared this on social media beforehand. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to get to the game. Unfortunately, this was the the weekend of all weekend that my mum and dad came to visit. My mum wanted to get her. Uh, Christmas shopping done early and I had to look after my dad who has zero interest in going to into football but I, 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 I did do my catch-up I watched the entire game as live on BBC Alba. The, the main frustration that a lot of us have had particularly during the kind of five-game winless run was a, a reluctance to deviate in any way from the style of play that Stephen Glass is obviously long-term trying to embed at the club. And I, I, first of all, I, I, I would definitely say that, you know, nine games or six months is, is is not enough time to judge any manager. But the concern becomes any manager will only get as, as much of a, a, a leash as res, results dictate. And again, we're, we're in a slightly better position now with four additional points in the bag. But there's no doubting that the longer... A run of fixtures go where you're flirting with the bottom of the table and and being in the relegation zone the 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 more pressure comes on and with the the run of fixtures that we had you know our at that point our next six games are going to be the top six teams in in the league you could you could very well have been looking at a situation come the end of november beginning of december where we could have been right right in, in 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 the thick of that battle so the the first thing i'll say is it, it it was late but it came eventually that there was a tweak to the formation so we, we we introduced a third player at the back we 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 did something to address the the fragility that we had where for all the possession that we've had in in, in several of games it always seemed the moment the team managed to catch us in the counter attack we just we just fall apart you know um so we 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 addressed that um <laughs> Richard was talking about his XGs. I don't think the XGs for either team was particularly impressive out of that game, but but the important thing was that when we did get our opportunity to score in the first half, we 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 took that chance. And again, you know, going back to you know Ramirez, I think he's one of the few players that comes through with a pass marks for me because at the end of the day, if you give him the one chance that we need in order to get a goal, more often than not, right now he seems to be taking it. So it 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 wasn't pretty it certainly wasn't pretty in the second half um but again you got to give credit to the the team and the management they the 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 decision to put scott brown in the middle of the three held up for the most part in the second half we 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 rode our luck a bit but although i say, well, I say we rode our luck a bit i mean on the other hand you know i i don't know where this reputation of hibbs and their wonderful attacking flea throat uh, uh, free flowing football comes. They, I'm sure they must be uh, a delight to watch every other match which doesn't involve us. But I, I, I fail to think of maybe more than two or three occasions where I've thought Hibs were anything other than dire. And thank goodness they were exactly that on Saturday.
1: Saturday was encouraging, as Martin has said, because it was pragmatism and it was the fact that we just ground out the win, not creating that much, but scoring a good goal when it came and um, just limiting the opposition. You've got to be able to walk before you can run, and there's been a worrying tendency to talk about a philosophy and a way of playing, but until you can actually show that you can keep clean sheets, the very base of any good team, and win games, then I'm afraid talk of philosophy is so, so maddeningly cheap. Um, I've got to say, though, the tweak to the formation Again, it's a happy accident. It was definitely still going to be a four back until McKenzie picked up that injury on uh, on the Thursday. So again, sometimes good things can come out of misfortune. Now, obviously, we don't want to see McKenzie or, or Ramsey or Gallagher get injured, but uh, you know sometimes the changes that can that can ignite a season often come out of moments of misfortune, and maybe this is one of them. Uh, just that decision to switch to a three. Getting that extra level of security at the back And again, a bit like tonight We didn't look directly threatened that often I thought the, the three defenders handled most of what was thrown at them Again, a lot of hips threat comes down the wide areas Particularly with Martin Boyle A lot of people beforehand were, were talking about how Ojo against Boyle was a terrible matchup Again, maybe Johnny Hayes coming on after half an hour Helped that a little bit Just all game Just dealt with the way with Hibbs' threat dealt with, Hibbs' uh, structure of playing very well indeed. It's really quite telling that, uh, and it makes no sense whatsoever. But um, you know the sides which have which are currently—I've um, not looked at the table tonight. This might be wrong. Actually, I presume Celtic can I top top four ahead of uh, ahead of United. But at the weekend, you had the Rangers, Hearts, uh, and Dundee United. Obviously, we we have drawn away from home at uh, the first two. And Dundee United, who were being lauded at the weekend, looked one of the single worst Premier League teams I have ever seen in my 40 years of watching top flight football on the opening day of the season. And look at them now. It's uh, it, it's remarkable. So it it has been a bit strange. And it, that, again, it, it feeds into what I said earlier about how we we are really struggling to... Breakdown teams who just set up In the classic two banks of four And will really really work to restrict Our space and you know what Derek McInnes had that Phase in his second season In his first Season he was was okay he was happy Playing a sort of counter attacking style Because teams Weren't quite up to speed Of the fact that we had suddenly got half decent again So they weren't Going to just go there And sit in They were still going to come and have a go at us, thinking we were still the old Aberdeen. But in that second season, there had to be a transition and there had to be a sort of learning of a new way to win games. And sometimes that came difficulty. There were, I remember, quite a few home games under Derek McInnes in those early stages where we just couldn't get the breakthrough. It ended up being 0-0. We might lose a 1-0. That first season as well, the second half of that first season, I remember Motherwell doing it twice to us, basically, at Pataudry. Carly Thistle, I think, as well, in that the second half of that first season. So, you know, we had to learn, and it actually took us quite a while to get to the point where we were a proper, effective team at breaking down. And it might be the same with this team, which is really why the grinding out of wins, just the ability to almost bully your way to 1 0s, is so critical in this league.
0: Yeah, I mean, Richard, I mean, like the goal on Saturday, for example, the Hibs, I mean, that was that was the, the, the moment of real quality in the game. Really good ball by Brown, uh, fantastic ball in again by Calvin Ramsey. Um, I did look at the assist table for the league this season. I didn't see Nathan Partis's name near the top at all, but <laughs> I did see Colin, Cal, Calvin Ramsey there, which is really weird because this some 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 Hun idiot seems to be getting in squads and stuff. But I don't know, maybe you know. I mean, no, I'm I'm forty now. I'm near. I'm, I might need glasses. It's maybe that's what's wrong with me. Um, but yeah, another fantastic assist by Ramsey. Uh, another really good finish, and that was that was the moment of quality in the game.
1: Well, as we can see from the video that the club shared of us, so a 12-year-old Calvin Ramsey and his skill set over the weekend, um, even a 12-year-old Calvin Ramsey was better than Nathan Patterson. But um, the goal w- was lovely. And again, it was a really good example of making sure that the, the wing-backs are really effective in getting higher up the pitch in an attacking sense. Obviously, Ramsey did well to outstrip his marker on the right-hand side, get ahead, Puts in a really good ball. I think the less said about the Hibs marking that allow. Uh, it's almost as if there were zonal marking from open play. It was crazy. Uh, it's partly because obviously they have another body to worry about there. We've got the two up top. Watkins is is kind of forcing the line closer to their goal, but allows Ramirez just to just hang back a little bit and he's found very well by Ramsey. But on the other side, you've also got. Ojo making a late run into the box as well to, to be another presence there So again, it's about those wing-backs contributing But it was a very well-worked goal Brian Instrumental, great ball out You you thought it just got away from Ramsey initially But he touched it back in And I was at the other end And I actually thought it was Ryan Hedges Because it looked the sort of finish that Ryan Hedges would make uh, But no, it it's just again showed that Ramirez in that penalty box He's not just going to wildly slash at things. He is capable of, you know, a number of different ways of finishing, which is all good to see.
0: And Martin. So yeah, we'll we'll look for we'll just briefly look forward to Saturday as well. We've got Hearts now um, coming up. Another another team who I know are in the top six. Uh, well, we are not. So uh, we're no, This is this hard run that we've had coming up. Um, Hearts not quite in the tough the tough um, spell that Hibernian are, but they've drawn their last three. Um, okay, two of them. No, they have. Um, I think in their last four, they have played Rangers um, as well, so it's expected to struggle there, I suppose. But some 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 green shoots, some positivity
2: be going into this one. It, it shows you what a difference uh, a couple of matches could make, because you know to have to have those four points now from the first couple of fixtures. I think it it might actually you know lead to us being able, able to adopt a more positive approach when it comes into the Hearts game. Now, whether whether we should or not, I mean, obviously, having come through a couple of games where we've deliberately tried to be more resolute in the back, and I think a lot of it is, you know, for the second, basically from the point that we started losing the likes of uh, Ramsey and Gallagher to injury, I think being being resolute, trying to be resolute in the back and, and um, you know, working from there is is become a bit of a necessity but maybe again that's that's maybe what will suit us at the time being because it should in theory be another team hearts i'm sure they'll still say the right things in in the media about coming to petaudry being a, a hard place to come and get a result and they, they may be a bit more wary now with the the last couple of results we've had but they are doing really well this season and they've got um, you know they have a few in fairness a few players of real quality in that team as well and I suspect that within their own camp they they would fancy coming here and getting a win and they would fancy to be being the better team and bizarrely that might now actually suit us at the moment I think um, we've now you know proven proven the data wrong a couple of times now where you know you don't necessarily have to win out in the possession stats in order to be able to get a result and it might well actually where we are right now it might suit us to be able to just um allow hearts to have more of the game see if we can absorb some of that pressure and 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 see what we can do with with our own possession but but you know on 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 the other hand i think you can start become. You know, I it'd be a dangerous game to actually set out with a plan of looking to contain Hearts because while I do think they they probably are on a better run of form than we are, even even though it has kind of dried up a little bit, I, I, I would be dangerous to think we just um, uh, allow Hearts all all over the place. So I think there will be a need for us to impose ourselves a bit more than what we were able to do tonight. But we the the, the worries from, from, you know, Getting defenders aside, we we I think we have now a, a few players that have really shown up and um, we've looked more solid in midfield um, and, and are carrying a bit more of a goal threat, so hopefully we can continue that on to
1: Saturday. Yeah, fuck me lads, this is going to be a quick short podcast. Anyway, on to minute 65. <laughs> and um, I, I just want to say, Martin, that I have total respect for your views and opinions. It's great having you back on the podcast this week. Yeah, sorry, Martin, the guest Martin, not you, Martin. Um, but... But if you're thinking that hearts are going to come with Pataudre and kind of be open and expansive, you're off your head. This is heart of Midlothian Football Club and heart of Midlothian Football Club managed by Robbie Nielsen. They will be as hearts always are horrible to watch, horrible to play against. Again, hopefully, we can just grind something out 1 0, take it right now. They're overdue a defeat. And you know we should have frankly won down at tankcasts early in this season, so that you told absolutely no fear for us
2: I, I think you misrepresent me richard i i, I can't remember i can't remember saying opening and attacking football <laughs> from heart. but what I, but what I do think is I think they're going to come you know in in previous seasons when you know we would justifiably consider ourselves to be the better team they they would have been coming up again setting up shop. I've no doubt they're going to be there' they're, they're, they're uh, their hammer throwing thuggery at their finest but what I do think they'll I think this time around I think they will fancy that they'll be able to dominate us in in, in a way that perhaps they, they wouldn't have had the confidence to do that so that's more what I'm meaning that I think they, they they may feel they'll be able to get the thrust of the game and it may it, it may actually suit us to be seen as the underdog in this game again
0: well because it's hearts and because it's their hammer throwing I suppose it's lucky that the crowd's going to be less than 10,000 on Saturday anyway <laughs>
1: Yeah, I was going to say, Martin. You talked about being at home uh, for the game against Tim, So You and four thousand other people, conveniently enough.
2: <laughs> I was one of the people that actually was at home.
1: <laughs> so yeah, so
0: that so that's what we've got to look forward to. We've got to look forward to some Hearts hammer thrown on Saturday, hopefully ending with a another three another three points um, to totally spin the negativity I, what, that, that was like spewing out of me on the last podcast spin that right round um, and it'll be nothing but positivity going forward hopefully, but until then I want to thank Martin Ingram for coming back on the podcast thanks as always Martin, it's been great
2: yeah, thanks for having me back again and it's been a pleasure as always
0: and, and well, thank you as well Richard
2: cheers man. Yeah.
0: so yeah, until, the, until we speak to you next week here's to 3 Points Against Hearts and come on you Reds